Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today, we're talking about how to overcome your idiot brain. Hey, we've all done some dumb things, Joel. Actually, so what's the... Is there something that you do on a recurring basis that is kind of an idiot thing or a dumb thing? Or... Ask my wife. <laughs> you have two options. What's the, one of the dumbest things you've ever done? Or what's something that you do more regularly that you're like, why do I do that? That's, I'm that's not going to admit it this publicly, Matt. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll make sure to hit those topics when we have our <laughs> wives episode yeah. later this summer. If I... So I thought about this because I was going to ask you this question. But I think one of the dumbest things I ever did was I had a Jeep when I was in high school. And I thought that meant oh, that means I can drive through mud of any depth. And, <laughs> and Doesn't quite work like that? Well, I, I was such an idiot. Like I drove, we went, not we, it was just me. That, there's one mistake. I wasn't, I didn't have a buddy there to, you know, who had my back. But I went to this field that I'd never been to before. Uh, and it rained a whole lot. And there's a bunch of big puddles or so I thought. And so I'm like, like driving around, mud splashing everywhere. I'm just like living the life until the nose of the Jeep just like, dives down <laughs> and it was this massive hole and I couldn't get out and we had to call a like a tow truck to winch me out of there there is yeah it was a mess that was <laughs> most likely the dumbest thing I've ever done okay. in, my, in my life I mean that's not the worst thing a lot of people have done a lot of dumber things it, it ruined the transmission okay like like mud and liquid water got into the transmission and the transmission had to be rebuilt. all right that stinks that was a costly mistake. <laughs> That's no fun. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about all sorts of things today on this episode. Ways that, especially specifically that our brain works largely because of the 
thousands and millions of years of evolution, right? <laughs> and and how it doesn't really work to our advantage in the modern modern day society. That's true. Ways that we're conspiring against ourselves well, and then the, how to overcome them. Yeah, and there's certain things in more in our more recent history and in our own personal lives that has an impact on how it is that we handle our money. Mm-hmm. And you didn't reciprocate. I was hoping you would have a, a good dumb story, <laughs> but you keep thinking about it and okay, folks I'll, can hang on for the, at the end of the episode. Uh, maybe you'll no, share I'll tell you one okay, thing. Okay. Okay. So my, my girls, they <laughs> love to hear this one. You tell this one story. When I was in college in South Carolina, it didn't really snow very often, but one time it snowed. And what do idiot college dudes think to do when that happens? Well, we wanted to go skiing, but there's no place to ski in Greenville, South Carolina. Naturally. So what we did was we put on the skis, we threw a, an electrical cable, <laughs> slammed it in my, the trunk of my Toyota Camry, an cord. and we went skiing on the icy roads, and uh, nobody got terribly injured but there, okay. were, there were some minor injuries at least that's just like one dumb thing that i remember doing uh, see that just sounds like fun because no, fun. like you said <laughs> nothing bad happened so that was just a good time yeah uh, it so it might have been like a dislocated shoulder or something like that but <laughs> i guess about as bad it could, as, well see, bad i did stuff like that all the time like okay maybe we'll say this one for yeah i don't want to go down this this path of dumb stuff that we did that was actually fun <laughs> not considered dumb because it didn't come with come at a high cost but actually speaking of college uh, a quick little story to share with folks Amazon is actually no longer in the, the, the college textbook rental business. Okay, my wife found this out the hard way. She, so we've talked about this before, how that's a massive way to mm-hmm. save when it comes yeah. to the tech, instead of buying brand new or even buying used and then returning it to the school bookstore, renting it instead. And it you're tur- talking about, I mean, hundreds and even thousands of oh, dollars yeah. uh, when it comes to the amount that these college textbooks cost. For sure. And so my wife, she's in grad school and she's been using Amazon textbooks, checking it against the prices other places too. But Amazon textbooks, I, I guess they found out we're pricing these things too low and we're not making any money. So they shut her down. And so now if you want to, to rent a textbook to save money, which I think is still a good uh, way to go, still a good route to choose. It's a good tactic. Yeah. Book Scouter. Ecampus and Chegg are the three websites you should be checking out. We'll, we'll link to those in the show notes, but those are... And I think BookScouter in particular, it's like a marketplace. Like yeah. it aggregates all, a bunch of different additional websites and you can compare prices easily on yeah. there, which is huge. Huge. Yeah. And and I hate to see one less competitor, especially one as big as Amazon in the space. But uh, yeah, if you, were, if you were like my wife and you were bummed and you're like, I don't know where to go now, well, check out one of these sites because yep. yeah, you still, uh, it's better to rent than to buy. And so I bet there's probably still a lot of folks out there who have Amazon books that they had rented and you actually have, I think it's until sometime this fall, like August or September in order to return those, those books. We just returned hers for last semester. You don't get to keep them. (laughs) (laughs) We were shopping for the next semester and we were like, Oh, bummer. But we, we, we found, we went to Chegg for, for some of hers and and saved some money. But yeah, just word of the wise, if you're in school or, you know, someone who's in school and they're like, these books are expensive. This is definitely one way to save money. Absolutely. Uh, All right, man. Are you ready for this beer? I'm ready. We're born ready. It's time to tap some of the beers that uh, I grabbed recently from Asheville, North Carolina. But this is End of Plagues, and this is a beer by Burial Brewing Company. We will enjoy this one during this episode and share our thoughts at the end of the episode. Burial, always so chill in their naming conventions. <laughs> Not. All right, let's move on, end Matt. Let's, <laughs> let's get to the, the topic we want to discuss on this episode, which is overcoming your idiot brain, and specifically how our brains process information that make us bad with money. And we, we've all seen the the meme of the guy on the bike who puts a stick in his own wheel and he falls off. <laughs> yep. It's kind of been, become ubiquitous at this point. There are literally hundreds of different memes based on this goofy, poorly drawn comic. And for instance, Matt, I saw one. The first line uh, says, 15 holes of good golf. And then it says, 
my brain realizing I'm playing well <laughs> as he puts the stick in the front wheel. And then what happens? He's lying on the ground, writhing in pain. It's amazing. Uh, that it just it reveals a deeper truth whenever you attach something to this meme. Yeah. One of my favorite, it makes me think of like uh, the first one's like, oh, I'm tired at work, falling asleep at my desk. Drinks a big old cup of afternoon coffee as he sticks the stick <laughs> in the spokes and can't sleep at night yeah. uh, is the end result, which I feel like is something we've all done. Yeah, for sure. And the the truth is it's not really all that hard for any of us to become our own worst enemy on no. the money front, right? And that yeah, good intentions just aren't going to get the job done. So today we want to talk about some of the common ways we're conspiring against ourselves. And then we want to offer an antidote or multiple antidotes to help us make the progress we're looking to achieve more possible, more uh, more of a reality. Yeah, you know, like that's what makes these memes so hilarious and, and poignant at the exact same time, right? Is that because like we know the truth, like we know what it is that we should be doing, uh, but then we go and we basically do the exact opposite. Right. <laughs> we have all been there and it's impacted all areas of our lives as well. I think like anyone ever sabotage a relationship, have you ever sabotaged a job interview? Yeah. Almost <laughs> like subconsciously, though, right? Yeah, like even without realizing, I think sometimes we only be become aware of it, like what we have done after the fact yeah. in hindsight. Like, oh, wait, <laughs> that's how I that's how I ruined that thing. Yeah, like, I mean, honestly, like that's what, it's, what it means to be human. Like we get to just revel in the complexity and the incomprehensibility of being human beings. <laughs> but as Carl Jung said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Uh, and Profound. Yeah, yeah. When we leave these underground subterranean thoughts and beliefs unexamined, untapped, we're going to be prone to make the same mistakes just on repeat throughout our lives. It's Honestly, it's truly amazing that humanity has even come this far, <laughs> given our tendencies to, to self-sabotage. Luckily, we have great philosophers and thinkers like Carl Jung who have paused and they cause us to think a little bit and to maybe spend some, some time digging below the surface a little yeah, bit. And, little and honestly, deeper. even today, I think just the emotional or like mental health has risen in prominence. And I think that's a good thing because I think that has allowed a lot of folks to maybe think a little bit more about why it is that they're doing the things that they're doing. Mm -hmm. So they can hopefully avoid sticking the stick in, yeah. the, in, in the wheel again. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, basically stymieing their own progress and hurting their inability mm -hmm. to do the things that they really do want to achieve in, in favor of often kind of some sort of short-term reward. And I, I do think that thinking and feeling affect the way we handle our money so much more than we give it credit for and, and even more so than the immutable characteristics that we possess. Like our personal history and our personality tendencies are likely to play a bigger role in how we react to spending and investing than even our age or our education level. Yeah, it's not about your skills and how good you are at right. stuff. Right, yeah. It's it's really about your history and kind of different things probably that formed early in life. I mean, we're going to sound like a psychotherapist here, like you're <laughs> you're laying down on the couch and we're just, you know, picking your brain or something like that. But th that's tr it really is true that a lot of kind of how we have come to view and think about money has been tainted, has been informed by those early years. And so it, it, it doesn't matter how good you are at math. That's not a prerequisite for handling money well either. It, it's really difficult to remove ourselves from our day-to-day -day way of living 
in order to understand and come to grips with the groundwork that we've laid already that's been laid over, you know, especially those first formative years, which informs how we're making decisions in the present that impact our lives on an ongoing basis. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help that everyone out there is basically trying to sell you something, you know, <laughs> like attention. It's the most important commodity that we have in this day and age. And every company out there is, is they're doing their absolute best to hijack our attention for their profit. It makes me think about, we recently talked about the TV and like you're having your attention. You're having your, literally your eyeballs hijacked in order mm-hmm. to get something for free. Ooh, free TV, yeah. and you, you say. And then, it, you know, it comes at a, a high cost that... Well, initially it seems like it's a low cost in that case, right? Like the free TV, yeah, but they ultimately... They for no money. Yeah, ultimately what this means is are more dollars flowing out of your life because of it. Uh, and social media is a great example as well. But a plethora of streaming options. Like that's an entirely additional front. I feel like that we have to fight, right? Like there are still like more good TV shows out there than any sane human being could possibly watch. There's a lot of bad ones out there too. Uh, but like, <laughs> a lot, even just goofy little games like Candy Crush on our phones, like these are all distractions that are pulling at us. And the more that we give in to these distractions, the less productive and the more unhappy that we're going to become. And and we say like no judgment here, right? By the way, uh, we fall prey to these same distractions, these same things that are constantly vying for our attention. And so maybe a part of why we're covering this topic, like we're doing this for ourselves, sure, as well as for you. Our <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I think yeah. The, the goal of this is we're, you and I are always trying to be uh, lifelong learners too. We we don't want to just point fingers at anybody who uses Candy Crush and, and call them crazy or anything like that. I uh, try to avoid games, video games, any sort of games on my phone. But I realize that they bring some people a lot of joy, and in fact, they mm-hmm. help your your motor skills and coordination to some degree too. So I'm not saying there's, there's no positive at all. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what we're talking it's just about just a double edged sword, though. Exactly. You know, like like that's the thing with tech in, in particular. Like, like when we were talking about counseling earlier, it also makes me think of like the rise in like headspace. Like there are some different apps out there that cause people to slow down and to pause and reflect. But it's a double edged sword because like 500 years ago, like back in the day, uh, I'm guessing there was probably less issues when it came to mental health. I don't know if that's proven. That's just this is just, <laughs> that's just my assumption. They probably didn't need some of these apps because in today's environment, like the way things are today, our again, our attention is just hijacked constantly. And instead of having downtime where we might naturally reflect on things, where we might naturally have a conversation with a loved one and do some of the things that matter more. Instead, yeah, we're just scrolling social media. Yeah. And so we have to be more purchases, more proactive, basically, because of the nature of the society society we live in yep. and because of the things that are the flaming arrows that are aimed our way. We need some sort of like shield to fend them off sure, so that we can protect ourselves. And Seth Godin, he writes about defeating the lizard brain. And that's kind of like what we're talking about here in this episode. You know, the, the basic part of our psyche that only cares about the most fundamental aspects of life, like surviving, eating, and procreating, which are all good, yeah. necessary things. <laughs> I, I like all the above, you know, but, <laughs> but that lizard brain can also cause us to, to function with the survivalist short-term mentality. And Matt, I remember hear, hearing Tim Urban say this. He said, the world we were programmed to be in didn't have long-term projects that often. So, so basically, the, the reality that our ancestors grew up in 
long term wasn't really a thing. Like nobody was investing for retirement. Like our brains haven't kept up with the the new reality of much longer lifespans and 401ks yeah. and all yep. the stuff that come along with those it's things. 2023 baby. Right. And so it's just no surprise that our brains have had trouble keeping up with this new reality, albeit a very fortunate reality, yeah. right? I mean, <laughs> I personally like electricity. I sure. like indoor plumbing. Yeah. I'm not I'm not mad about any of the progress that we've made, but it, it comes with like you said double edged sword. It comes yep. with the downside and some it comes with ways. something we need to pay attention to if we want to live a, a fulfilling life and, and one that also comes along with financial security at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. There's no part of me that wants to go back 500 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are a lot Please of no. things that we don't have to worry about. There are a lot of diseases that would not... So over- much progress. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm very, very happy to be living in the year that we're I living in I mean, even if, you're, if, even if you're in the, the you know bottom 20th percentile of Americans, you're living better than French kings did 300 years ago, yeah. which is, I mean, just... Pretty amazing to yeah. think about. Like they, they had some perks. They would trade places with you. Three you know? years ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So one of the problems I think we face that stems from uh, what Seth Godin calls the lizard brain is that we all have a tendency to overvalue the present. Uh, this is called present bias. There's a study from 2019. And they found that present biased consumers are more likely to spend in the present and less likely to save for the future. And obviously, this makes sense, given where we've come from uh, ancestrally. Like our brains, they just haven't adapted to this long-term thinking that's required as lifespans have increased. And just our need to build up assets for... You know, like potentially multiple decades. That's the reality now that we live in. Like it, this, it's, it's the exact opposite of what used to happen when our ancestors would come across food. Like uh, they didn't. Now we have as much food as we want at our fingertips to a certain mm-hmm. degree, right? You can walk into a grocery store, get whatever you want. Before it was like you come. Uh, Upon food, you almost have to hoard it. Yeah, uh, or you almost have to eat it. Upon you can arrival, that honey like that's some good stuff. But now everything is sweet. Like, yes. it, and we still crave sugars. <laughs> that's right. But unlike our ancestors, we can get them whenever we want, <laughs> and so we don't have to. And eat. they're quite refined. But we still like to eat them the way our ancestors <laughs> did. And so when we have it, like we want to yeah. consume it. Yeah, yeah. And because this present bias is something that we're continually rubbing up against, we just have a hard time mustering the self control, even though we know that we don't need, for instance, those additional calories via that sugar. We lack the self control that's needed when it comes to your finances, curb spending, and to set more aside for your future. But the good news is that there are some tools at our disposal in order to help us, you know, within this quest on our, as we're on our path to financial independence. So we'll discuss some other psychological hurdles that we face and how to overcome them right after this. Jill, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. 
There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust and Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. All right, Matt, let's keep going. We're, we're getting psychological with this one. It's true. Our brains conspire against us, and they cause us to do things that aren't in our best interest. And Overcoming the ancestral lizard brain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think back to, to middle school and uh, just or even even high school i was bad with the ladies and i remember trying like i wanted to ask somebody out on a date or something like that i was so nervous that that person was going to say no and it took me a while to to come to grips with the fact that what if they do say no what's the worst thing that happens like you feel bad for a second what if they say yes you have this awesome chance to hang out with this person that you would really like to spend some time with so i'm going back to joel's base desire (laughs) exactly (laughs) well these are the kind of things that like we 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 have a hard time rationalizing it took me a long time to come to that conclusion to sure. realize that the the stakes you, were actually a lot lower than i thought that you weren't in literal life harm because yes. like that's what it feels like right? it, that's exactly like, like when, like. when faced with either confrontation at least or, when you're 16 yeah something <laughs> like that it feels that like literally i'm going to die like which is why that's a phrase that you hear teenagers say because right. i think a lot of times like they haven't oftentimes like identified that no you're not literally going to die even though i totally get that that's what it feels like yeah 
that's what we're oftentimes trying to overcome. Right. But Joel, like we were just talking about present bias, you know, just before the break uh, and how we fail to think ahead, how we fail to prepare for the future by investing our money. And I think that one of the reasons that so many folks don't have enough in retirement is simply because it's so difficult for us to understand the concept of compounding, right? Like it is tough to wrap your mind around. Um, I would say that most things in our lives actually occur linearly. Uh, it's it's nice and orderly. One thing happens after the other, as opposed to things happening exponentially, which at least personally, it feels a bit more chaotic. It's certainly more complex, mm -hmm. but it's also more difficult to comprehend. Yeah. It's too complex for us to really yeah. wrap our minds around. It's kind of like those big, big numbers. Like, oh, we a trillion dollars worth of this Government or that. spending is like, yeah. what exactly does that mean? And every, like, we see a bill like that and we just chalk it up to, oh, future, future generations. It's just a headline. Paying off these debts. But a trillion dollars is substantial. And we just, I'll admit, I have a hard time explaining how much a trillion dollars is. It's pretty, uh, it blows my mind. Yeah. So, okay. So for instance, uh, so we're talking about numbers. Take a simple math problem of addition. Five plus five plus five plus five plus five. Uh, and so well, I know the answer. Pick me. <laughs> so if you're keeping up, you heard me say five, five times. So we're talking about a sum of 25. There you go. I'm so smart. I'm hoping there's a lot of folks that answered out loud. <laughs> uh, but now take those same fives and then multiply them, right? So five times five times five times five times five. Uh, we might have some rare math geniuses out there, but the answer here is 3,125. Okay. Uh, and this is a I much... Wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten that one. I wouldn't have either. <laughs> Basically what I'm getting at, it's it, this is a much more complex problem and it's just simply more difficult to comprehend and then to uh, actually apply it to our money, specifically to our investments. Yeah, but this is so important to understand because this is the basis for returns that we're going to get in the stock market. It's a different set of skills and most folks are not able to simply figure this out on the fly. So let's give another example on the compounding front, Matt. Like imagine Imagine taking a big sheet of paper and folding it in half, but then you fold it in half again and again until you've done this 50 times, which... 50 sounds reasonable, right? Because right? you're like, oh, you can do something 50 times, half, 50 right? times, but no, you but actually, can't. Yeah, that's yeah. actually physically impossible, right? <laughs> and, and But if you were to do this, if it were possible, how tall would that stack of paper be? It turns out it would be 64 million miles <laughs> tall, around two-thirds of the distance to the sun. Which is crazy. It doesn't seem right yeah. when you put it in terms like that, but that's what would happen if you had the ability to, to make it happen. And so it's no wonder that Einstein called compounding interest the eighth wonder of the world. It's yeah. it's a wonder in the fact that we like our brains can't wrap around it, but it's also a wonder in the fact that it can be a wealth generator, even though our rudimentary brains have a hard time understanding exactly how it works. It, the reality is that it it does work and it works to our advantage. It just doesn't work the way we think it should work. Yeah. Like it, it just doesn't make sense, even though you can like sit down and crunch the numbers, do the math. I like the, I think the rest of uh, the Einstein quote is that like those who understand compound interest will actually earn it. Mm -hmm. And those who don't are going to end up paying it. But, but again, just because our dumb brains don't actually like naturally conclude that this is possible. This doesn't mean that we can't actually do the math and figure it out because we just did it, right? Like people have calculated what the distance of that sheet of paper would be were you to fold it 50 times. And then, so the trick is to then take these principles and apply them to investing. Basically, the earlier that you're able to start investing, the, the, the more that you're able to keep at it, the more that you're going to have at the end of the day. What seems small is going to be able to grow large because of this reality that can just be so difficult to grasp. The longer you allow your investments to double and then double again, the more money is going to grow, giving you lots more options. So one last example, let's say you start out with nothing saved for retirement. Like literally, you've got zero in your uh 
Roth IRA or your 401k. Hopefully that's not where most of our listeners find themselves. Hopefully you've you've got like a little bit of seed money, right? But let's say that that is where you're starting from. You've you've literally got nothing set aside for retirement. Were you to max out your Roth IRA every year at $6,500, it's going to take you a little less than 36 years to reach millionaire status, to hit those, you know, those seven digits that is a long time, I will say. And again, but that's assuming, you know, you're, you're starting with nothing, a little less than 36 years. But then how long before you have $2 million? Well, you'll actually hit that milestone in less than 10 additional years. Uh, but then guess what? Five more years in addition to that? Well, then you're up to $3 million. So the first million took you a little less than 36 years, but then the subsequent millions after that yeah. then take less than 10 and then around five years. They always say that your first... That is- Crazy. Your first million is the hardest. Well, yeah, no joke. (laughs) When you understand compounding, exactly, uh, you can like you can truly understand. Like again, it's hard to wrap your mind around, but you don't have to totally understand it where it like makes sense in your mind in order for you to put it to use. In order for you to trust the principle and see the reality of what it can provide. Yeah, you're right, and I do think that that is a really interesting point that the the first million is harder, largely because your money is not working for you on your behalf yet. You're working to funnel money into this account that's going to eventually do the work for you, Mm -hmm. but it takes a while for that work to start start happening, but then once it starts happening, it starts to happen quickly. It's like a snowball rolling Mm -hmm. downhill, right? That's right. And so that's why, yeah, our brains again have a hard time understanding this concept, but if we can kind of at least understand it a little bit and then uh, do trust the principle trust the, yeah, the reality yeah. that this is how uh, money works and how uh, investing your money is, is going to help grow your money over time we can take advantage of it whereas our lizard brain wants to say I don't know about this I can't quite understand it and so maybe I should avoid <laughs> like going in this direction I think that's probably where a lot of people a lot of people stand the way a lot of people think about investing mm-hmm. or saving money for the future okay so this is a random thought but I was thinking back to like 500 years ago or I don't know like 5,000 years ago <laughs> Or something, but the, I, like in my mind, the only way that I feel like folks way back in time had the ability to experience uh, exponential growth or compounding like that is if so the beer we're drinking is called end of plagues mm-hmm. is if they were if there's a plague upon them like literally like a plague of locusts or rats or something like that. I feel like back then they would say even then they they didn't totally understand it even though they experienced it and what they would say is like oh man the gods must be mad at me uh-huh. uh, we must sacrifice whatever we need to do in order to appease the <laughs> appease the gods but like that's an example of exponential growth right like when you've got a locust uh that multiplies and then those locusts multiply you know like that is sure. an, an instance uh i think in natural i don't know in, in the natural environment where you might have experienced exponential growth or compounding maybe again 500 years ago yeah so if they'd known a little bit more they would have realized what was going on beneath. they would have said aha here's what's going on <laughs> this is just science not some sort of yeah uh apocalyptic uh plague being sent after me End by some higher power yeah sure yeah all right well, let's talk about how our lizard brains work against us in regards to how we use money in the present too. I think one way is, is that our idiot brains keep us from making progress is it, is it stops us from investing as much as we could or as much as we should because we don't fully comprehend the process and we're not willing to funnel our money in that direction. But on the other side of the coin is the fact that we don't save and invest enough because we're spending every dollar we make. Yeah. And that is <laughs> the American way, right? I think when you look at the, the savings rate right now in the United States of America, it's like, what, 2.3 cents on the dollar is what we save on average, which is pretty pathetic. And uh, specifically, let's throw out some examples, Matt, and discuss kind of what's going on under the surface 
uh, some situations that might trigger our idiot brains, but uh, tricking us really into doing something that's not in our best interest. I feel like this often hits us on the shopping front. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think, especially in our ever interconnected world, we're just bombarded by ways, avenues, and means to shop more than ever before, too. Yeah, like the the 70% off sign, oh. falling prices at Walmart or wherever. Tough to but resist. Like sales like this just trigger us so much. I, like, I feel like it actually activate something within that lizard brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of like this this limited time only phenomena, which again, a long time ago, we had to take advantage of stuff like that when we were hunter gatherers. But now that impulse is working against us uh, and even more so given the preponderance actually of fake deals out there that can be found online thanks to the, the way that pricing works on the internet. Um, what's the actual real price? Who knows, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is the actual list price? What is the manufacturer? Is that the what the thing actually costs? Well, of course not because there's profit built in but it's tough to know what you know how good of a of a deal that you're actually that you're actually looking at but when you're shopping online you see that it's negative 30 percent and it's written in all red we're conditioned to know oh it's time to pounce Uh (laughs) we've been conditioned to know that this is a deal it's a signal to buy uh and the the original price it's grayed out it's got like a little little line cut through it and uh, i saw too amazon they're just stacking all the tactics against us uh, and now it says like deal and it's also written in like all caps red letters in order to again to kind of evoke that emotion that tells us that we should be making a purchase right now they want you to feel like a fool for passing up on a deal as good as this one which I'm going to be honest like this is one that has been difficult for me for a long time because that I feel like I've gotten a lot better I've grown in this but uh, only as I've started to realize the fact that this is what's happening behind the scenes Mm -hmm. right only as I've started to be like, wait a second, that's my lizard brain <laughs> trying to get me to do something that's not in my best interest. But I was like uh, all about the deals. And I was like, I, I realized I was just spending too much time thinking about buying stuff and trying to get a good deal on things. And the best thing to do was to want less stuff and to care less about the prices of things and just not be into shopping nearly as much as I was. So it's, um, I think I, I inherited that gene from my mom to a certain degree, not trying to throw shade, <laughs> mom. But this is one of those things where I think a lot of people, uh, especially in today's today's era when Amazon and Instagram and email newsletters kind of pull at us, trying to get us to spend money, yeah. part us from our money, and they're using all sorts of sneaky tactics. It is, it is something like most of us are susceptible to. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, email newsletter or whatever, like the abandoned in cart email where mm-hmm. a retailer checks in with you. I mean, dude, like there is an entire offering you uh, an additional discount yes, because you yeah, walked away. Well, here's a coupon code. Did life get busy? Like all of these things that triggered the like, oh yeah, this is something that was important to me that I should be doing. And I'm, I should be so thankful that they're following up with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's CRM, like customer relationship management. That is an entire industry. And it's not that it's evil, but I mean, their sole goal is to get you to buy more stuff, whether that's them keeping up with the different purchases that you've made, but not oftentimes it's not even the things that you buy. It's the stuff that you're looking at. It's the things uh, like on Instagram, it's the ads that you linger on or the ads that you Mm -hmm. swipe on where there's a carousel because you're like, oh, I really like that first item. Let me see if they got some of this other stuff on sale. <laughs> and, when, you start swiping, sh- and then you're feeding the system, going back to the whole free TV thing. Like they now know more about you that's going to end up costing you more money down the road. Yeah. Window shopping used to be a completely innocent activity. <laughs> and now yeah. window shopping is uh, a, win- watching you. a window into your soul yep. for advertisers, for people that want to sell you stuff, which is only really uh, putting us at more of a disadvantage when it comes to like uh, our brain and how we react. Yeah. So, and this isn't to like demonize 
recognize folks that are in that. Like I used to be in advertising myself, but it's important as consumers to highlight the fact that this is what's going on, yeah. so that we're essentially we're equipping other consumers yeah, out there. So you can put that shield up. Again. It's, a, it's a fair fight. And yeah, and be like, stop. stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we'll give some practical ways too in a bit to to kind of help make that a reality to help stop your brain from progressing this way. But part of the beginning, at least, is to highlight some of the ways that it happens. Another thing is like the impulse buy, right? That's a struggle for lots of other people out there. It's not just a sale. It's a good deal, but it's, it's, uh, and maybe sometimes you do find the perfect thing at a thrift store or an artist market. I've done that. And you make the purchase because it really is kind of something that's not going to come along again, but there's often something else that causes us to make an impulse buy. It's when we feel like we deserve it, right? It's time to Mm, treat ourselves. And so maybe you've had a hard week at work. Which in reality is just a moment of weakness. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's not that you've actually found the right thing that's never going to come along again. It's that you're trying to, to soothe yourself through some consumption. And so, yeah, buying something can provide a temporary relief. It can make you feel better for a second. Like you click buy and you're like, ah, I feel, <laughs> I'm, you know, I, this is just a method ah, of sweet solace. self-soothing, right? <laughs> uh, but look back maybe to a recent impulse buy. What emotions triggered it? And how did you feel afterwards? I think those are good questions to ask yourself. And I, I realize maybe I'm sounding a little bit like a therapist right now, taking a page out of my wife's book, but asking those questions are going to help you get to the heart of the why behind the impulse spending that you've done, and it can allow you to recognize them moving forward. Because it's it's typically, Matt, it's going to be those same impulses, those same triggers that cause you to do it in the future. And if you can identify them, you might be able to catch yourself in the act next time you are mm-hmm. tempted to buy on the fly. That's right. Yeah. So retailers, they also use just different subtle tricks out there as well, like free shipping. Again, like when it comes to online shopping, that's one of the words that's written in all caps and mm-hmm. emboldened off to the side. You see free and you think, oh, yeah, somehow this is free, even <laughs> though that <laughs> there is a price associated with it. You know, it. they're not losing money on yeah, the shipping. Come on. Exactly. It's not truly free shipping. And we also know that even if we pay for something in four easy installments, that will end up paying the same amount in the end. They're just making it easier for you. Yeah, buy um, now, pay later adds to the frictionlessness of it all. Yeah, they're reducing the friction just enough. But we you know, know it logically we're paying the same amount anyway. Yeah, but by doing that, they're able to actually garner a sale from us that otherwise they wouldn't get. And we find ourselves parted with our money when we might have otherwise saved it. And so again, awareness of how these different strategies and tactics and tricks impact us is crucial so that we can put up a good fight. I will say, like, I think for me, I don't know, for me, the, the whole sale mentality, it's not something that gets me, you know, my adrenaline, my eyes don't dilate or whatever. <laughs> my Matt people's don't dilate. Is an impervious robot. To a certain extent, but we you know what I'm not <laughs> impervious to? What? Is uh, messaging, like th- when they try to sell you an image or when they're trying to sell you basically like a, a message, even if it's subconscious, right? Like, like I'm specifically thinking about it, like I bought a really nice coffee grinder recently. I, we talked about it maybe a couple months ago. I was thinking about getting it. Actually, we talked with Brandon on Monday. That's one of the things him and I nerded out about because he actually recently bought a, a, a blade. A, well, mine is a flat blade grinder. I, I think his was conical. Oh, I don't know the difference. <laughs> yeah, he was also considering mine. Um, but the way that that thing is styled and the way it's designed, it's it's like matte black. The design is, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It sits there on your counter and So the reason it's well-reviewed and stuff is because it actually does grind your coffee really, really well. So practically speaking, it does an excellent job. But you're also buying the image, right? Like the way... We're we're always being sold an image right now. Yeah, it's it's just branded in such a cool way. And it's like minimalist. And I think there's a part of me that bought into that where it's just like by getting this thing, you're going to be cool. Like all the other, like all the other guys, like, right. like this is going to make your house look like 
the counters that this coffee grinder is featured on within the pictures on our website. Yeah. It's okay um, to have certain aesthetic preferences and sure, to say, sure. like, this is my style. This is this is my jam. I'm into this. That's totally fine. But I think there's also a lot of advertising that is subtly weaving that into Absolutely. our brains. And it's saying, it's not even telling us about the product. It's just by association saying, if you do or drink or uh, buy or hang out with this product, you are by proxy going to be cooler than you're, you're going to be a, you a, currently you're are be a cool hip dude <laughs> right yeah right. yeah and even if it practically accomplishes what it is that you want to accomplish because you are checking off the boxes and whatnot i think we are still susceptible to that that kind of branding and the fact is nobody cares it's not like anybody thinks that i'm cooler because i got like nobody sees the stupid thing like I don't invite people over for coffee. Maybe I should, I guess, is what I'm now learning. <laughs> just to show off. <laughs> just to show off my my, uh, my fancy grinder. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that too, because I think there are some of these more subtle, subconscious, brandy kind of, not like, you know, not the liquor, but like where there's a brand and you're kind of buying into the the brand. And that's actually how they're able to, to make this sale, yeah. right? It's, it's not that they dropped a sale on me. It's, it's not that... I did it impulsively where, no, I've been researching this for months, but there's another part of it where I paid a premium for it. Well, I think that's what they say about billboards and commercials. It's not that they're trying to make the sale instantly. They're trying to slowly mold your mind into thinking something about that product or brand so that eventually you come around when you're like, oh, wait, now I need a car. Ah, remember that Toyota RAV4 commercial? Maybe that's the one for me. I don't know. It's that kind of stuff that really- That family looked like my family. I (laughs) could see us driving that kind of car. Yeah. Exactly. That's That's the kind of tricks that are being played on us slowly but surely. But there are a lot of things that we can do. There are a lot of things in our power to react and to combat these subtle and not so subtle hints, sure. ways that we're parted with our money, whether it's on the spending or just on the not investing side. We'll, we'll get to a bunch of our thoughts on, on how to make progress, how to overcome the lizard brain, financially speaking. We'll get to that right after this. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. No matter how hard of a worker you are, you probably like to kick back, relax, and just chill every now and then. But if you're an investor, that's the last thing you want your money to be doing. You want it to be out there working hard and kicking butt. That's exactly what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help it do. Betterment's automated technology gives you advanced tools that are built to help maximize returns. We're talking tools like diversified, expert-built portfolios of low-cost ETFs, Keeping those expense ratios low is key to seeing your investments compound over the years and decades. A high-yield cash account where your money can earn 11 times the national average. Listeners know that they need to have an emergency fund set aside for those completely unforeseen expenses. 
A high-yield cash account is the perfect place to park that money in automated investing technology like automated rebalancing. That way, if certain industries are, say, growing like crazy, your portfolio, it stays on track. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. I got my first life insurance policy almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, folks, we are back and we are talking about overcoming your idiot brain. And this is just a fun conversation because we're just really diving into like the psychology, right? Can I just say, this is not about IQ either. This is, oh, yeah, I yeah. think there's a lot of people who are like, I'm in Mensa, okay? I don't have an idiot brain. My <laughs> IQ is 148. And, and th- I think these are the things that, again, are, we all have this lizard brain part in the back. And we're all tempted to or subconsciously reacting in these well, ways. We're talking about the subconscious. No matter how freaking smart you are. Yep. No matter whether you're an engineer or uh, you stock the shelves at your local grocery store. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. We're all susceptible to these things. Well, th- th- that's what makes this so interesting, right? Like we are fascinated by just this behavioral psychology element and how it is that it's going to impact how we handle our money, both collectively as a society, but also as individuals. Uh, And so another factor that plays into how we personally interact with our finances has to do with our history with money. Our beliefs about money often stem from how it impacted us in our childhood. Uh, this makes me think back to our, our... Freudian. Yeah. So we had a conversation. We had Christy Shen uh, on the podcast as an interview back in episode 118. We'll link to that one in the show, in the show notes. But she grew up on 44 cents a day uh, in China. And when you do that, that is going to make you appreciate the wealth and the opportunities available to you when you finally arrive in North America or for her Canada specifically. Canada's in North America, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But if you grew up in like an affluent suburb, like you might have seen the downsides of money, right? Like you may have been confronted with the signaling and the unhappiness that it can produce. Uh, Some people like Christy and much of the fire community, like they are able to see money as a tool in order to earn their freedom. And we tend to agree that freedom is one of the best things that money can buy, but it's important to identify your history and and what it is Mm -hmm. that informs how it is that you view money, some of the different attributes that you associate with your money. Yeah. I think if you grew up in China and you come to North America, you see see money. No, Joel, Canada. It's Canada. (laughs) 
Canada. <laughs> so you see, I think as as mostly a good thing, right? Yeah. And, but yeah. if you let's say you hung out with Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street sort of thing, <laughs> which I never saw the movie, I, I just know very little. But if you hung out, it's good in those environments. You would you might think money is all bad and only terrible people have money, right? And so you you might you just there's associations that we make that really it, when you think about it and when you do a little bit of introspection, you might be able to find some ties that you can untangle a little bit mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of how you view money. And maybe the way you think about it stems from some experiences from elementary, middle, or high school. Mm-hmm. And you, some of those things might have informed you well and others, maybe not so well. And Sarah Newcomb, who writes about money psychology for Morningstar, I like that she shared this article and she wrote some, she had some great prompts some some questions really yeah. to help reveal what's going on under the surface in terms of our money beliefs. We'll link to that article in the show notes because I think it's helpful to, to, to look at. But let's go over them real quick because I think they're they're just really uh, insightful or they can help you uh, find some insight. Uh, but first, she tells people to fill in the blank. Money is what? And then you tell your answer and you talk about why. It, it'll tell you a lot about your current underlying beliefs. Money is blank. Like fill in the blank. What What is money for you? I think that is going to give you a lot of insight uh, as, as to how you think about money, how you feel about money, and what's going on below the surface. Second, she says, if money was a character in your life, would it be a friend or foe, a villain or hero? I think that's a helpful question as well, because some people have an inherently antagonistic view and approach towards money. Mm-hmm. They kind of view it as as inherently bad. We've talked about how it's not. It's really just this kind of neutral thing, but we make attachments to it. And, and I think uh, seeing how you view it from that perspective can be helpful. Third, she yeah. says, growing up, what was your financial situation? How did the people uh, raising you handle their money? Do you see any ways that this affects the way you think about or handle money today? Uh, for me, yes. <laughs> even talked about it with Brandon on Monday's episode. I mean, this is one of those things where I was particularly, especially influenced by the way money was handled in my house growing up. I'm sure other listeners have a similar sort of story, right? Uh, background. Yeah. So, but thinking through those things and not just letting them subconsciously inform how you handle money, but but bringing them to the forefront, to the surface, consciously thinking about them will allow you then maybe to, to combat some of those dark realities that you grew up with. Yeah. And I would say that like well, the argument we're making is that regardless if it was good or bad, your history is going to have an impact no matter what. And mm-hmm. it oftentimes comes down to how you then react to that history. Because like in your case, you reactive uh, reacted like you were polarized, like you did the opposite essentially, right? Um, but like I think back to, to my history, me growing up with money and like we certainly had enough, but it wasn't like the amount of money my, my folks had. But honestly, it was just the great way that they talked about it. Like I, I specifically, like I might be one of the like. Okay, we were talking about uh, compounding earlier, mm-hmm. and I. This was a lesson that that I learned literally. I think at age eleven, I specifically remember my dad sitting at the desk in our kitchen and him explaining compounding interest and when your money starts working harder for you than you are able to. Like, and that puts me in incredibly like rarefied waters. Like sure. I was incredibly lucky to have had that taught to me at a young age. I didn't fully understand it then, but I do think that that certainly planted the seeds um, of my, you know, the, the basis, I guess, of my, my fan- financial education. But again, I'm highlighting this because A, I was most definitely lucky, uh, but a lot of folks, like you said, they're, you tend to go to one extreme or the other, right? Like you either vilify money or you worship it. It, it kind of depends on 
you know what happened in your past and then how you are, are reacting to it mm-hmm. uh, but Sarah she man she had such a great article there uh, and one of the other things she mentioned was to ask yourself if money affects your social life <laughs> specifically in a good way or a bad way uh, and then finally this is a quote if money were not a consideration how would you be living your life would it be very different from how you currently live and how do you feel about that? <laughs> mm, yeah. um, and that's just, I think that's such an incredible, an incredibly insightful question to ask yourself because I think it can help you to be aware as to the fact that are you doing this truly because of money or maybe because of some other deeper maybe calling or mission that's driving you? We actually included some other similar questions in our How to Money Money Mission Statement worksheet. Uh, we'll make sure to link to that in our show notes. But the truth is, if you want to make more progress with your money, the problem likely isn't that you don't know enough about Roth IRAs, <laughs> right? Like for most of us, the problem is the man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror. Like it goes much deeper. Don't make me think that's all right now. <laughs> and asking ourselves some of these hard questions, you know, doing some of this deep work, uh, we think it can transform how it is that everyone out there relates to their finances. Uh, just some of the realization can be freeing uh, and it can impact how it is that we spend and save our money. And it's not just the spendaholics, right, that need to perform this exercise and to look inward. It's possible to be too miserly and, and too frugal as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, when you said that, uh, if money were not a consideration, how would you be living your life? Would it be very different from how you currently live? I think that's a really, really uh, important question for us to ask ourselves. For a lot of people, they might find, wait a second, I'm putting too much emphasis on money. I have all that I need. I, If only yeah. I, yeah. I could incorporate and think about money a little bit less and just have more free time or whatever. Like those are the kind of questions you and I are asking ourselves now at this stage in our lives where it's... If, We're a little more coast fire and yeah, yeah we have the ability to kind of choose our own path to a sure. certain extent. And like we could say, no, we want to continue to enhance our lifestyle in a massive way. And so it's going to require a lot more money to fund this juggernaut for years <laughs> to come. But no, that's not what we care about. But the, the, the only asked by asking yourself these kinds of questions, can you get to that deeper understanding? But you know, regardless of, of which of those camps you might find yourself in, at the end of the day, both of those tendencies can be taken to the extreme, which is really just a manifestation of, of selfishness. And this... Like, so basically, if you spend so much, it's because you're being selfish and you're spending a lot of money on yourself. But if you're being cheap and, and like, you know, like I was saying earlier, like miserly, that's also a very selfish act sure. where you're just, yeah. Makes you think of... Storing it all away for yourself. Breaking Bad, where Walter White always says he's doing it for his family. But the reality is his family is falling <laughs> apart while he's like making meth and making bank. And the truth is... At the end, he admits he's doing it all for himself the whole time when it was clear to the, the viewer for all the seasons. Of Sounds like show. he did some some good internal work throughout the Exactly, exactly. It was all that therapy he was doing that really got him to that point. Yeah. <laughs> Glad he reached that point as someone who's never watched the show. Right. I'm sure that's exactly what it was like, right? Uh, something like that. A lot yeah. of counseling mm-hmm. work. Kind of like lot. The Sopranos. Well, he actually goes to counseling. <laughs> the Sopranos. Oh, does he really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Although I never saw that show, but um, okay. I, I hear it's great. But this is this, this natural tendency, right? Like we're born as selfish, selfish beings. Our brains are wired toward what we can get now. This is the lizard brain in action and to keep it all for ourselves or for our small tribe, our family. But just because a behavior is natural doesn't mean that it's the best path to take. That's right. And uh, especially in, again, modern society. And so one of the more ultimate ways that we're able to overcome our dumb brains is to spend our money in ways that are sacrificial, to spend or give it away uh, in a way that doesn't bring us any benefit at all. This is 100% a way that we can overcome our idiot brains. And it's a reason that we like to encourage folks to be charitable. That's right. To, to give their money away because 
pretty much at all stages of your financial journey, if you can be giving away a small portion and hopefully a growing portion of what you what you have, what you make, it can help reframe money, put it in the proper light. And that is so powerful. It's powerful uh, largely for psychological reasons and, and, and to get to see that money do good in the world around you. That's right. That's beautiful too. Yeah. And of course, there are, like you said, in ways that where we receive no benefit. But we're, we're also even incentivized to give money away. <laughs> like, that's just how the tax code yeah, works. Yeah, the tax code, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, so it's important to realize that fr- from a principal standpoint, we want you to be doing it because it's not necessarily going to give you any benefit. But there's also the tax benefits, and there's mm-hmm. there's kind of like the emotional feel-good benefits as well. But we're not going to get into all of that uh, because something else that we can do to actually overcome our idiot brain is to automate and to impose limitations on ourselves. We're talking about rules and automation because they can help us to do the right thing consistently without even having to think about it. Uh, Because once you opt to put, let's say, 6% into your 401k, well, that joker is on autopilot. You don't have to think about it ever again. Uh, your, Your paycheck is smaller, but you forget about that pretty quickly. (laughs) Automation helps us to overcome our own lack of discipline. Uh, And it's not to say that it's some sort of crutch. It's an effective tool and it's out there. And so we want folks to use it. But you can also impose artificial limits on yourself where you're able to create some friction where it didn't exist before, specifically on the shopping front. You know, that's uh, something like instituting a, a 24 or a 48 hour waiting period. That way you're not giving in to those base desires of uh, the of impulse buying. Right. Or if that means that you're on Facebook too much, which can oftentimes lead to purchases that maybe you shouldn't have made. A, a loved one of mine recently made a, <laughs> a purchase on Facebook that I'm not sure if that would have happened had that ad not b- been seen. But if that's the case, use the Newsfeed Eradicator plug-in. That way you can go straight to the How to Money Facebook group. Because surely that's the only reason that you need to be taking advantage I gotta of, say, of Facebook. I've been using that plugin for years. I have no idea what's going on <laughs> on Facebook outside of the How to Money Facebook group. And I live in bliss. I love it. Or, or maybe the, it, it even means on your phone, just deleting Instagram. If, like me, you often, sometimes find yourself you know, flipping through the carousel of the different sales. Or at minimum. Backcountry. Put it on page two of your apps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Push it back a little bit. But there are different app limiting services out there. There's this one called One Sec, like one second, uh, and Opal. But they can impose a delay between opening an app and actually seeing the content. Uh, this is... I think it can be really helpful for both social and investing apps where you're trying to give yourself a minute to actually pause and to think, is this something I need to do? Honestly, I like the just stepping backwards. Like don't necessarily include more technology to solve the problems of more technology, but even consider taking a step backwards. I mean, I think this is why we're seeing the number of flip phones, like like dumb phones. Sales of those have been skyrocketing, Mm -hmm. uh, whereas sales of smartphones have actually declined. I think Q4 of last year. Smartphone sales decline. I like seeing that. Uh, whereas flip phones and like old school Nokia's <laughs> sales are are actually on the rise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's I've to me it. that that's an encouraging note, and I think that's something like I feel like we're seeing more of that with uh, with uh, Gen Z because there's a younger younger generation and they're tired of being hijacked, having their screen time just completely dominate all their free time. Yeah, I've been very intrigued by the light phone. I haven't made the jump. I haven't even yeah. I played around with one, but. 
I've contemplated, <laughs> you know, jumping to something like that. I don't want to lose, I like podcasts on my phone. There's certain things that I like having at my fingertips, but then I also realize that it's a, there are other things at my fingertips that I wish were not there that are constantly vying for my attention. Mm-hmm. And I wish I didn't even have to think about them. I wish they didn't exist. But Matt, to wrap this up, I mean, going back to that, that Carl Jung quote at the beginning of the episode that you mentioned about making the unconscious conscious, our lives I feel like they often feel guided by an invisible hand, which really is our subconscious, right? As well as the market, as, like Adam Smith said. I know, that's really a nod <laughs> to Adam Smith using that terminology. But that invisible hand that guides... I mean, it's more true than you think because it is yeah. the market. It is actual companies trying true. to make a profit and that are trying to sell to you. But it's, yeah, it's also the subconscious. It's also the things that today. we've experienced at an early age or things that we've heard our friends say or some sort of experience we had back in eighth grade that informs how we yeah. think about money and how we handle it now. It's more true than we realize. Yeah, and so... I think when we unearth some of these thoughts and beliefs, we ask some of the deeper why questions. It's going to inevitably provide us with new information about ourselves, which is going to cause us to change some of our preconceived notions and beliefs about money. And then those altered beliefs are going to invariably impact how we act, how we move forward in this world, how we spend, how we save, how we invest. And the truth is money is not good or evil, right? It's a tool that can be used well or it can be used poorly. And we can either put too much stock in the value of a dollar or not enough, but yeah, it's hard, if not impossible, to change our habits and our approach to money when we're not sure where the source belief material is coming from, what's subconsciously guiding us, where yeah. where that originates. And so I think it's important to do to do some of that deep work, not just to go, like you said, to some sort of technological halting mechanism to prevent us from taking uh, the worst action possible. Ten apps to help you to overcome <laughs> your lizard brain. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's not that some of those apps can't be helpful, but it, I think it's there's deeper work required, really, when it comes yep. to, to fighting and overcoming our our idiot brains. Absolutely, man. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Let's get back to the beer that you and I enjoyed. This was an End of Plagues, an IPA by Burial. What I'll say the uh, I'll describe the the label art. It's a the artist that they have that makes all their labels. I forget his name. I'll actually make sure to link to his Instagram account after we've bashed Instagram and how you should delete <laughs> it from your phone. But all of his artwork is super metal. <laughs> this is just the the best way to describe it. But it's got a rat sitting there who's just like eating the earth. Is that a rat or a possum? Is it a possum? I don't know either. Oh, it's, plagues are like rats, you know, yeah. like the bubonic plague. Some sort of filthy animal. Yeah, it's got the tail, but it's just, yeah, there's like filth all around the earth. <laughs> yeah, the, their naming conventions <laughs> uh, gel up really well with the pictures, yeah. with the artwork, and they're both just um, a, a little over the top. Yep. Yeah, yeah expect many more ridiculous names uh, of the different burial beers <laughs> that we'll have in the coming weeks. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what were your thoughts, though, on this beer? All right, I'm going to say this was juicy and sharp, and it was almost mm-hmm. like IPA concentrate. Like, yeah. that's how I think of this. And the but that's how I think of most of the burial beers and burial IPAs in particular, because yeah. they just make some of the the thickest, juiciest, beastly, most beastly IPAs yeah, out there. Well, I would say, so this is a, a single, like a, a regular, and it, in my mind, the bot, it was relatively light in body f- uh, considering it's burial. And so it, just, it felt like a, uh, like a foundational IPA, because uh, there's some other ones that we're going to have that are more over the, the top. Dial it up. <laughs> like maybe this is a, a nine and the, the other ones take, take it up to 12. This is like their equivalent of a session IPA. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just. But it was really good, solid, and again, when you poured it, it's kind of got that pale, milky, golden color where you can't see through it at all. It's sort of like the new cars today, where like their paint jobs, they've got zero metallic speck or fleck or whatever that's in them. You know, because like the old school and tra- super tra- traditional paint jobs, you see them and it's kind of it's got a sparkle to it. Yeah. But like the new ones, they don't have any sparkle. It's just 
like a flat color. It's shiny, but there's just no additional metallic mm -hmm. in it. That's what this is. Yeah. Like, the, like it's just solid one note color, <laughs> but the, uh, the flavor was anything but one note. I'm glad you and I got to enjoy this one today. Most definitely. All right, that's going to do it for this one. You can, as always, find show notes for this and links to everything we mentioned, as well as a bunch of other money resources up on our site at howtomoney.com. Don't forget the How to Money credit card tool. You can find that in the upper right-hand corner of the homepage at howtomoney.com. It's super easy to find the best credit card for you. But Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hi, I'm John O'Brien, host of Money and Wealth on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm an entrepreneur and a businessman. Now, every Thursday... My newest venture is educating you on how to win financially. Even better, I'm going to teach it in a way that, well, you can understand. I'm going to meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. We all might have different starting points and end goals, but as long as we have the desire to acquire financial freedom, it can be done. Listen to Money and Wealth with John Hope Bryant every Thursday on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.